Welcome to the Sub Pop Cult Podcast. I'm your host, Michael McGruther. In previous episodes of this podcast, I've explained to you that the media has its own schedule and it does not line up with the schedule of your life. It lines up with the schedule of the media. And the media schedule lines up with people who like to go on holidays, like to take breaks, like to have their time defined for them so that it can be counted on and penciled in. And yes, they'll move their schedules around and do things within the active times that they have to be working. But for the most part, when the summertime hits, when the holidays hit, they look forward to you being so distracted by things that they have put out there that they have an easy ride. That's where we're at in the summertime. It seems to me that people are really getting over the fact that punditry is bullshit and it does nothing except further the power of the system, put further distance between normal everyday Americans and their representatives' storyline, which never matches up to reality. You know, you have to always remember what's being sold by each side so that we can actually end that practice over time. The left-hand side is always selling the feels, the culture. They run the culture. They're selling the culture, but it's a culture of emotions. It's an empire of emotions. That's why people defend it so dramatically. Where on the right, it's an empire of lies, and that's why they expire over and over again with no change in, in the, you know, the game that's being played, no power really changing hands. It should be obvious to you by now that there's only one party, and it's the government. And the government divides both sides to achieve its goals of maintaining total control over the narrative, which means your life. Now, your life is your narrative, and you can live it, and you can go right off of their script and into your own. And that's what we're always trying to get people to do. That's the goal. It's going to be, it's going to have a weird feeling like nothing is happening. That's a good thing. Think about all the time you've spent staring at the, the wreckage, staring at the thing that you were told is the thing that week, and what have you ever gotten out of it? Not much. Okay, likes don't count. We all get likes, people like what we post, that's not a win. That's a confirmation of that day's thing. But what do you really get out of it? Nothing. So stop putting your everything, your time, into it. And I understand that this message is catching on. I feel it in my bones. I understand it because it's clear. Something that happened over the past year and a half has really cleared up what's going on. And we all see it and we all know it. But the way to get out of it is unconventional. It literally is ignoring it for a certain amount of time. While at the same time, building out your life Spending that precious commodity, your time, on you every day. I don't need to see how you've spent your time, and I don't need to see what you've created out of it day by day. But when you're done and you've created a piece of work that you want to share with the world, we should all see it. The point is, that time spent in the creation mode is a great way to ignore the destructive narrative. It's a great way to ignore the chaos. The chaos is going to happen anyway. And if you are honest with yourself, you've been told the world was going to end over and over and over again one way or another, and it never happened. The only thing that ended was a little bit more of your freedom, 
a little bit more of your neighbor's freedom and a little bit more of the unity that Americans are used to existing in and still do exist in everywhere except on television. It's true. Everywhere you go, Americans are Americans. They're nice to one another. There's kindness aplenty. There's people who are happy to stay out of the way and let you pass. There's people who will open the door for somebody else walking behind them. It's not an epidemic of selfishness. It's a projection of selfishness. And that projection is accepted as reality, and it's not. End of story. It's just not reality. But it is reality amongst the people who have power and control over the system. And one way that they know how to constantly make us have a miserable time chasing after the remains of their sloppy governance is by messing with the economy. Now, they mess with the economy from top to bottom and always have. The American consumer has traditionally been the consumer that has been targeted for all manipulation and gimmicks meant to move trinkets and products and shirts and lifestyle and all these things from corporations to the American public, the consumer. But with China coming online as the official world's largest marketplace of people with disposable income, that's probably why everything is in flux right now. If you can tell, the powers that be have used COVID to scramble the entire reality that we lived in before COVID, and they want us to come out the other side exactly the same as before. Does that make sense to you? Let me explain. COVID was an excuse. It was a pandemic. Okay. This pandemic was monetized. It was monetized because instead of enduring it and natural immunity, they monetized natural immunity. And for the majority of people uh, that got vaccinated, they didn't need to, but they did. It was a huge, huge money-making event. Somebody had to get paid a lot of money. Vaccines don't grow on trees. All right, so these deals are made and this large transaction happens. But what it really does is I think it gives people a cover, people in power, it gives them a cover to do all kinds of other things. Now, we know we're in sort of a war already with China. And I do believe that part of the COVID lockdowns was some sort of a retaliation. If the world's largest exporter of goods suddenly has a much smaller audience for those goods, that has an economic impact. And it goes back and forth. Why would we lock down, go so dramatic, make our farmers pour out all these products and different things that basically uh, stifle our own economy as a way to attack China's? And then when we come out of it, people are vaccinated. Our government's made money off it. It's, it's doing well. Everybody's uh, coming back online. Then China shuts down again. Do you really believe this virus, which is, uh, I've never gotten it. I've been around for a couple years now uh, traveling. I have avoided certain places, but I haven't, I haven't gotten COVID and I'm not vaccinated. Do you really believe that it's as dramatic as they seem? Or is it a proxy way to fight an economic war before the real war starts? I think that's the more likely answer. Just knowing how things go. When Ronald Reagan defeated the Soviet Union, he outspent them. Now it's like when the United States and China are engaged in this shadow war that is being told to us is one thing, but if you're paying attention, you can see that it's something else. 
it's weirdly being fought by dialing down economic activity between the two people, the two powers that have the most economic economic activity between themselves. So it's a slow motion slicing off of the relationship. And it's done in a way that makes us feel like we're the problem. And that's the system taking advantage of its power and pitting us against one another because really, to get in this situation in the first place took all these people, all these faces that never change. The Joe Bidens of the world have been around forever. They've had their hand in the crafting of deals that brought China online, and now they have their hand in trying to keep that battle from overwhelming the United States. And so it's all very ugly. It's a very ugly situation because the people getting paid astronomical amounts of money are not you and I. The people making these deals, the corporations buying off folks, are not you and I. But you and I participate in the storyline that enables this. And that's what we really have to get away from. I understand that I repeat this message, but listen to me. I'm going to keep repeating it because nobody else really says this on the regular. If you think about it, reiteration is quite powerful. The system is in a weird moment right now because it's been strongly reiterating from every side possible that there was no stolen election. Now, I don't believe that. I don't need to vote for Donald Trump again, but I don't believe that he lost the election. And I'm not going to believe that. I believe that it was stolen. Maybe, according to my conversation with Jeff Cortez, it was an uh, inspiration from the top that made people do whatever needed to be done to prevent that bastard from winning, because that's the storytelling power of that side. But I don't really believe that he lost that election, and I'm almost positive of it because of the effort going into reiterating uh, into reality that he did lose the election. Even today, I had to respond to Peggy Noonan's article where she claims Trump voters need to search for a new direction. But if you really read between the lines and you look at the article, she hits all the talking points. The election wasn't stolen. You believe lies. Yes, you love America. How charming. You really love America. Loving America shouldn't require you to also love this man. And that's true. I totally agree with that. But she ends it with basically telling the audience that's reading the article that you're all stupid for believing this thing and you can't do it. You're not allowed. Now, I do believe the election was stolen. I'm not going to turn away from that. And I am allowed to have that opinion. But what I'm also allowed to do is not fall for the trap of blindly fighting for something that happened yesterday, when tomorrow is what matters. And tomorrow matters way more, because you plant the seeds of tomorrow today. What we're doing is we're always pulling up the dead crop and looking at it and sticking it back in the ground and hoping it'll grow a different way. It won't. They manipulate us. They lie to us. They want to maintain supremacy over the narrative at all times. They, them, is the government. We, the people, are the folks that have the real power. But this power cannot be utilized by us unless we start to speak in unison. It's very hard to overcome a bunch of people celebrating their right to be whatever it is they are that is being uh, celebrated by the media. Today, the, the mayor of New York City tweets, 
Drag storytellers in the libraries and schools that support them are advancing a love of diversity, personal expression, and literacy that is core to what our city embraces. Okay, on the surface, that's technically true. Somebody is expressing themselves dressed up like a woman, but they're a man. Okay? But it's an expression. So it's technically true. These people know how to go right to the line. What he doesn't say is that another expression of creativity and diversity and love is not requiring people to use their sex and their perversion of their sexual gender and identity as a way to put on a show. That does not make sense. That is not something that needs to be celebrated and elevated by anyone. It can exist, and so what? But to elevate it is because why? It's going to set off a certain amount of people who realize that everything the left says is complete bullshit, but they don't react to it as if it's bullshit. They react to it as if it's a reality. I haven't come across Drag Time Story Hour yet, but I don't go to the library. And the people who do go to the library probably want Drag Time Story Hour. The fact that it's happening in public libraries and public officials are celebrating it should tell you who's in charge. I've got news for you people. It's really not a world of left versus right. It's really a world of gay versus straight. And I don't think that most gay people support that, and I don't think most straight people support that. But I think the folks in the media who wield the rainbow swords and the rainbow flags, they do support that. They want revenge. Most uh, discrimination against gay people has always happened right in their own house. So they take that out into the world and they turn it into a weaponized storytelling device against all people. All people are guilty for just not worshipping the gay crowd and the gay lifestyle. One of the reasons this storyline, this narrative, this community is constantly used to divide the American people is because it's brilliantly tongue-tying. You know, there's a setup where it's, we're a victim class, and you can't say anything negative against us, or else you're, it's a hate crime. So they start that first, and then they make everybody react to something where the initial reaction is frustration because you can't say what you really think. And the people who do say what they really think are encouraged to say it really, really loudly because it creates data that is then used to show to the other side, see how bigoted these people are. I don't like toddlers and tiaras. That was the straight version of this gay transgender dressing up of children. They're way smarter than us. Toddlers and Tiaras was produced by TLC. I would not be surprised if the folks behind the scenes were like, look at these dumb people sexualizing and dressing up their little beauty pageant kids. Let's get them to do more and more ridiculous theatrical events. And all we need to give these people, these honey boo-boos of the world, is a spotlight because everybody likes fame. And so they do it. And it happens 10 years ago. 15 years ago, and it's a big hit, and everyone's watching it, but then people forget. And then over time, they start to do the same thing, but from the gay side of the aisle. Now, a straight parent dressing up their kid 
Uh, a mom dressing up her daughter as the beauty queen daughter and putting on too much makeup. Starts out innocent, but ends up as a clip, like a clip I've shown from that show where the kids come out and do cage dances and all the, it's all sexualized. I don't care what anyone says. It's totally sexualized. That happens first. It gets ingrained in our back of our head memory. Then the gay folks come along and they're like, hey, this is how we dress up our kids. I'm trans and I'm a cross dresser. And so here's my little cross dressing prince who's really a princess. It's they. That's they. That's That used to be Timmy. Now it's Tabitha. And there's nothing you can do about that because it got normalized in a perversion of the regular way before it got used to make Americans button their lips and become frustrated because what they are really facing is not that there's transgender people dressing up their kids just like them, which is totally to be expected. One thing I know about the left, the left, uh, they really push upon their young people, their worldview. You can go down the street in Las Feliz, there's a little Las Feliz uh, neighborhood in eastern Los Angeles, and there's a wonderful store that sells t-shirts and things for kids. But if you go in, the t-shirts for babies are like, it's a onesie that says the New York Times, or it's a onesie that says some, you know, some slogan of the left. So they understand that through children, they can really launch an attack that is very, very hard to uh, fight against. So what people are facing on the right is not just that these people uh, on the left who are LGBTQ crowd are doing with their children something that's nasty. No, they have to face that they did it first. And that is the diabolical way the system works. Anything that straight people have done, anything that marketing and advertising has, has been used against straight people is a setup to then be turned into the gay reality. That's why you have transgender characters everywhere. That's why you have all this stuff everywhere, because it makes you button your lip and there's nothing you can say about it. And there's absolutely nothing the system likes more than a tongue-tied, mouth-shut, horrified look on your face, American citizen. It's got you right where it wants you. The Gavin Newsoms of the world with their Cheshire Cat grin gets even bigger when they tweet out something about the importance of this marginalized compute community. Thank you for tuning in to the Sub Pop Cult Podcast. For the last year and a half, I have done episodes similar to this where I've gone over and over the gameplay that is used in the media to tell stories and gain power. I'm going to set that aside for now because I believe the audience and the followers of this podcast, and especially the people who every week discover the show and download the episodes brand new, will walk themselves through that story and come to the same understanding that we need a new culture. So for the next few months, the Sub Pop Cult podcast will be focused on exposing the audience and listeners to new artists, particularly filmmakers that call themselves folk filmmakers. I've decided to spend a little time 
setting up interviews, watching films, and talking to these folks about their dreams, their hopes, what they like to have happen, their biggest fear. It should be an intimate conversation that tells you a little bit about the voices and the talent and the people that are going to shape the culture that is the future reality of American life. Thank you for tuning in to the Sub Pop Cult Podcast. I'll be back July 1st with my first episode with writer, director, and OG of the folk filmmaking movement, Daniel Lotz. Yeah.